companies aren't the product or the factory or the buildings they're in. Companies are the people that they employ to run those factories, to populate those buildings, and to bring energy and life into the organization's mission and the product or service. Welcome, 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 everyone, to Talent Experience Live, your weekly look at everything that you need to know in talent acquisition, human resources, talent management, recruiting, and everything in between. I am your host, Devin Foster. We have a very special guest today and an exciting episode. I'm going to be joined by Phenom CHRO, Jess Elmquist, and we are going to discuss really his personal crusade uh, along with many of his colleagues through podcast blogs and other thought leadership communication channels uh, to share what's in the mind of a, a CHRO, what uh, are some of the discussions that are being had in HR as a whole, and how that's impacting industries. Uh, I know there's lots of hot topics right now going on in the internet. I mentioned generative AI, the economy, everything in between. And really, that's something that the, the CHRO role plays a considerable amount in is how to discuss that with executives, with employees and everything along those lines. So I am excited to have Jess on the program today. But before we jump into that, it is tradition around these parts that we always kick off the program with a healthy little icebreaker. Get the comments rolling in. It's one of the beauties of doing this program live is we get to interact with the audience. And today's icebreaker question is, what is the best part of your job? Uh, a lot of people take on different roles for, for many different reasons. And I think at times it is important to reflect of what do you enjoy about it? What gets you going to work? Is it the purpose of helping a billion people find the right job? I know for me, it is our purpose here at Phenom, but also it is the creative outlet that I get to have at work. Uh, the ability to share ideas um, really cross teams, uh, across functionalities, and see if it's, number one, a good idea, because not all of my ideas are good ideas, but get constructive feedback on honing in and really perfecting my craft, as well as helping the organization as a whole. And it's something that I greatly appreciate here at Phenom. So we are going to talk about what Jess's favorite part of his job is and all sorts of other things. Monica Montessa chimes in the comments section. She says she loves the people. That is the best part of your job. And that's company culture, right? That's something that a CHRO crafts as well and has a, a, a certainly a helping hand in. Monica, I love hearing that. Um, I know there are a, a tremendous amount of reasons. Some people the best part of their job is their paycheck. Um, they may not be getting the emotional things that they want, but that is what they are, are striving to work for. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as they enjoy their role overall. But without any further hesitation, I see one more comment before we jump into it. Jen Thomas also says the people. Um, awesome. I, they're both on my team. I, I love the people here as well. But neither here nor there. Let's bring Jess onto the program to get inside the mind of a CHRO a little bit. Jess, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Devin. How are you today? <clears throat> I am doing fantastic. Uh, it's a little smoky over here on the East Coast, but it is okay. Uh, everyone that I know is healthy and safe, and I haven't heard anything otherwise. So it's a great day. How about for you? How, how's everything out there on the West Coast for you? 
you know, everything's uh, everything's fine here, but I've been seeing uh, the reports on the smoke. So I'm glad you guys are uh, keeping inside and uh, and breathing clean air. But uh, hopefully yeah. that'll dissipate soon. But yeah, things are going well and uh, really looking forward to be, being uh, back on TXL. Yes. Yeah. No, happy to have you here. Luckily here on the, on the East Coast, I know my household had masks readily available when the smoke showed up. So we are all good here. But just we could talk about, uh, you know, everything that's going on you know, in the world right now. But of course, before we jump into, you know, the meat and potatoes of this episode, the folks want to know what is the best part of your job as CHRO here at Phenom? Um, so I think for me, I, I think I will uh, reflect in some ways what Monica said. It's working with the people. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think more than that is I have the opportunity at Phenom uh, to expand my impact outside of the four walls of our organization and work with other CHROs um, on their strategies and helping them find solutions, really even outside of the paradigm of Phenom. Uh, being able to be a thought leader and an influencer. So I've had the opportunity of working with really large organizations with complex problems and working with other CHROs because you're so focused day to day in your work at your company. For me to be able to bring in perspective from you know hundreds of different organizations to say, hey, this is what another organization has been doing. You should think about maybe actually flexing that muscle a little bit here, see if that works for you. And then to see them like go, oh, that might be the breakthrough that I need. I love that working with other senior leaders to be able to support and help them uh, because I have kind of a larger network that I get to access. And so that's what I really love is I love helping people solve complex problems um, and build relationship with them that way. I, I love that, Jess. Uh, to excuse my sports analogy here, but it's a copycat league, right? Um, we, we hear that in sports all the time. It's the same thing for businesses, right? Uh, businesses have goals, they have priorities, and I, I don't want to say stealing, but really taking uh, you know some of the knowledge that you provide, some of the knowledge that other folks may have from organizations and applying that to different areas, I think is is useful for everyone. You get a better understanding of how one company found success and you may not take all of it, but you can take bits and pieces and apply it to your, your own place of business. Now, um, one question that, that we love to ask on this program is it's often said that, that folks don't grow up and want to be in human resources, right? It is, it, I've yet to see a little um, kid on their first day of school holding up a sign that says, I want to be a CHRO. If that photo exists, please share it with me on LinkedIn. I would love to see it. But Jess, I, I say that because I want to ask you, how did you get into HR? So often we hear that people, quote unquote, fall into human resources, recruiting, talent acquisition, talent management. How did you get your start in, in the realm of human resources? Yeah, I don't think it's untrue that I think most people find HR because it's not necessarily one of those ready proof, you know, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be, you know, an NBA basketball player. So I do think it's something that's discovered. I wouldn't call it a fall into for me, but I think it's a discovery for me. And um, where I came from is uh, th there's a couple of different pivots. W one, I, I was a public school teacher, actually, for the first part of my career. So I taught economics and American history uh, for six years and then really wanted to uh, try my hand in business and had an opportunity to work in uh, a business in Minnesota. And in that, um, I actually found and discovered my passion for business on the business side. So I was a vice president of sales and marketing for my organization for several years before I started to hyper-focus more in learning and development and talent. And what I found was, is that I had a real skill in helping build and motivate teams. 
And when the organization saw that, and they also saw my background in teaching, learning and development, adult education, curriculum development, they said, hey, you know what? You're really good on the business side. You know how to drive revenue. You understand the principles of business. Could you actually help start to translate that into a learning where we can now bring consistency to our culture? And that was like a eureka moment for me, like lightning hit. And I was like, you're going to literally pay me to help inspire people to accomplish more than they thought possible, giving them a paradigm or new learning that helps them even be better than they were before. And I get to do that en masse with a company that's growing with a mission. Yeah, count me in. And so that really started my journey. So it was more of a people first learning and development and talent. And then I started to incorporate some of the traditional HR pieces as well, benefits and compensation and uh, the employee relations and all of those pieces. So I was a little bit of a working backwards uh, executive because I started on more of the talent side and then worked my way into some more of those traditional HR pieces. But it really started to help connect me to ultimately my own personal life mission, which is to leave people in the world better than I found them. And I found that I could do that, although there are frustrations in HR, and I think HR can sometimes be, feel like it's a little bit of a speed bump in an organization. I found that if you actually keep a people-centric uh, philosophy there and you really help develop people, that's where you can see an organization blossom because companies aren't the product or the factory or the buildings they're in. Companies are the people that they employ to run those factories, to populate those buildings, and to bring energy and life into the organization's mission and the product or service. So that's where I kind of got into it and have been in it now almost 20 years um, and am still incredibly passionate about helping professionals in the HR world find their purpose and then do their work. I, I love that. And I, I imagine I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. Some of those, those early stages of your career where, where you talk about being in education and things like that, the lessons that you learned at that part, I'm sure that you apply today when you're working with people, when you're help getting the best out of folks. And one thing I want to call attention to is you mentioned some of the speed bumps in human resources. I think when we think of HR for folks who, who may not be involved, Oftentimes we think of the pop culture references, right? The Toby on the office where if you have an issue in the workplace, you go to <laughs> HR. It's so much more than that. And I, I love your sentiment about getting the best out of people, um, which I, I'm sure that there are you know, different ways and, and different avenues to take with that. How imperative do you think it is for HR leaders to share their experiences on getting the best out of folks so that they can, I wouldn't say cross-contaminate, but share ideas, share some of that thought. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, HR gets gets maligned on uh, shows like The Office, uh, although those are those are real elements of, of organizations. Absolutely. And I think as a leader, as a CHRO, especially as we get into this talent first economy, um, where the new talent economy is kind of redefining how we do our work. Um, I think it's really important for any HR organization and leadership to get up on the balcony of their organization and take a real objective look at how we've we been doing things and do we actually need to challenge our norms so that we can start to meet the needs of a new work population that's coming in on mass again um, into uh, the work workplace. And are they actually challenging us to think not only differently, 
but actually in elevate and be and better. And I think that's the that's the challenge always in every generational kind of shift. Every five to seven years, I found that I had to really confront my own philosophy and start to challenge what my own belief structures were and move through change so the organization could actually be refreshed, renewed, and continue to grow that I was supporting. Yeah, if, if you're not moving forward, you're you're moving backwards, right? And and that can be policies, that can be practices. I, I mean, I feel like we've been put into almost a, a wind tunnel over the past three years where there are conversations now in organizations about work from home, remote work, hours of operation, what the new workday looks like that we hadn't have. And that's put all of this on a fast track. Yeah. And to, to your point, if you're not making progress forward to meet this new batch of talent that's coming in, you may get left behind. Um, and I, I know you are a, a wealth of knowledge. You talk about this on the, a, a regular basis. Um, you, you speak with C-suite executives and things like webinars, or you have blogs, all sorts of stuff where you're, you're sharing some of your experiences and knowledge. But you also launched a, a new podcast recently, right? Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, no, uh, I just launched a podcast called Smarter, and the whole principle behind it is it's a leadership-centric podcast, and the idea is that we can all get smarter together. I'm a true believer in collaboration and transparency. The more we can share, you know, I think sometimes we want to somehow control our trade secrets in HR or our special sauce of getting things done, and <clears throat> what I find is when we actually collaborate, all of those special sauces get better. And so what I'm doing with Smarter, and it's been fantastic so far, um, is I'm actually finding some real heavy hitters, CHROs, uh, big time analysts, um, you know, really uh, a top flight uh, um, uh, leaders, and then talking to them about not only what they're doing professionally, but how they got to where they, uh, they are today. What are those pieces, those principles of leadership? Uh, those uh, those values that they have, um, the opportunities they took and the risks that they made to be able to get to where they are. Because I think a lot of the people that are tuning in, and we've had just great listenership already, is we have other executives that are tuning in <clears throat> to get that insight. But we also have growing executives, people that are looking to get into those C-suite uh, positions to say, hey, I'm going to tune in because I, I think I can pick up some morsels here from uh, from Smarter. So that's what Smarter has been. It's leadership centric, uh, certainly bringing in kind of an HR element, but bringing in really top flight leaders and talking to them about their own personal journey. It's been fantastic. Yeah, ab absolutely. I, I mean, uh, the combination of you, you know, being a thought, thought leader in your own sense, as well as an HR practitioner and having the ability to have some of these conversations um, where and making them available for other folks who, who may not be able to, to get in, in the room with, with some of your guests, right? Uh, whether it be geographical, whether it be simply schedules in today's day and age. Um, for, for those folks who, who may not have gotten to check out the, any of the, the episodes yet, who are some of the guests that you've had on that you've been able to, to share some of this knowledge with? Yeah. Uh, so um, one guest I had just a fantastic conversation with was Ben Eubanks, and he's an internationally well-known analyst that brings a lot of great uh, data to the HR world. And a lot of people use him. He speaks all over the world um, and also has written a couple of books. But he came on and uh, 
and did just a fantastic job giving us some perspective on not only AI, but how uh, HR organizations can use it and then why he's in it. And he would actually be one of those people uh, that actually said as a kid, he knew he wanted to work with people and he wanted to work in HR, but he might be one of the only people I know that actually says, yep. I, I mean, literally since I was a kid, I wanted to work with people and in HR. So Ben is one of those, uh, one of those outliers in the world of HR. Uh, I also had uh, the chief people officer of um, Boston or Bond Secures Mercy Health, uh, Alan Colone. And I just had a great podcast uh, this week launch with Jillian Moore McKay, who is the CPO of Obashan Hardware. If you get a chance to, uh, to listen to that one, that is just a fantastic um, podcast. She did just an amazing job talking philosophically about the work that she's doing and why she does what she does. So we're, we're, we're talking to people like that. We've got some really great things happening and coming up as well. I got a CFO that I'm interviewing here coming up and a few more CHROs. So really good stuff happening with Smarter. Yeah, no, I, I was able to, to to catch a couple of those episodes. Um, the conversation with Ben Eubanks it blew me away. I loved, he had one sentiment where he was talking about organizations being hesitant to infuse AI into their, their organization. And he kind of countered that point with, you're already leveraging you know, some of your team who may be in entry-level positions and junior-level positions, and you're giving them access to a lot of information already. In order to really enhance them and, and make them better at their job, why not make them faster? Why not give them access if you are worried about this, something that may not be that experienced? Uh, that was a key takeaway that I had from that episode, but I want to put the ball back in, in your court, Jess. What's one thing that, that you've learned from some of these conversations um, that you maybe have applied now to, to what you do every day here at Phenom? You know, um, uh, Alan at uh, at Bon Secures, his hasn't gone yet, but you'll you'll see him. He's going to be on um, uh, soon. Uh, he talks about being a frictionless uh, talent experience, and the learning I had there was there was so much power in what they're doing as an organization because their CEO, their CHRO, their chief talent officer and all of their recruiting and hiring leaders across their entire healthcare system are 100% aligned on the vision and how you're going to actually make the strategy and the vision tactically come alive. And when you see that, that time, talent, and treasure align in such a way with such an easy to understand vision of a frictionless talent experience, I'm telling you, it, it's amazing the throughput and the volume of work that can be done um, when an organization gets aligned. So alignment to me was one of those big lessons, a good reminder of how important it is to get buy-in on every level and to have a vision that people can grab onto and really hold onto. I think with, uh, with Jillian, um, what I loved about her is that she really started to talk about, I brought her on because part of it is she's a chief people officer, but she's a player coach. She is in with her sleeves rolled up right now, doing so much work because Obashan is growing so fast. And what I loved about that is that she really had this renewed energy in the work because she was daily not only setting the strategy, but also doing the tactics with the team. And that gave her a real sense of what needed to happen. And her finger was on the pulse. So I thought that was a really good reminder because so many of the CHROs that I work with, including myself, we are in the trench every day. And sometimes I think we're trying to pull ourselves out. And my encouragement there with, for, for me even was, you know what, 
staying involved at maybe a lower level uh, or, or a level lower than you typically are is a really good thing because you can make, I think, better decisions um, uh, from a strategic standpoint uh, by doing that. Yeah. And then I think the only other thing I would say is I, I think Ben Eubanks did a great job talking about AI. And I think part of the thing I learned there is that I think because there can be so much energy and so so much concern because of this existential question about AI right now. And I think that's real. I think we have to continue to go. I don't understand as much as I understand. Right. I understand a bit of what this is, but I, I still don't know what this is for me to say I completely understand where AI is going. That that's not, doesn't make sense because no one does. But what we do know is in the here and now, being able to understand how to keep the human in the loop, create accountabilities and transparency with it, and helping your team elevate the work they're doing. Because guess what? We're using automated systems anyway. So now admit it, walk into it, hold it accountable, and find great partners that can help you do that well. Yeah. That was a really good challenge to me too, is don't play like, Pollyannish, where it's like, everything's great. Nope, that's not it. But also don't be so like, uh, you know, so worried about it that you're not willing to accept any. Neither of those either ors is the right way. The middle way, I think, is probably the right way in regards to how we're incorporating AI into our systems in HR. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. One thing that, that you mentioned there um, with, with the, the combination of uh, Agilians being a player coach and then... Um, with Bonsecure's uh, health is the alignment, right? And being a player coach. And I think there's a, almost a, a, a nice little connection there where if you are speaking with folks who, who may be a level down or, you know, on your team on a regular basis and getting into the trenches as, as you put it, rolling your sleeves up, it helps with that alignment, right? And, and maybe it does help with that understanding or less fear towards AI that you talked about there. If you're speaking with folks who, who are using this on a regular basis, right. And, and can see the benefits there. So lots of great in, in, insight into all of these conversations, but just, that's not all you're doing. You're, I, I hop on LinkedIn. You're all over the place. You've been, you know, featured in, in fast company. Recently, I saw an article uh, with that you contributed to from Forbes. I'd love to know what are, what is the latest article on Forbes all about? What are you talking about there? Yeah, it's been a real privilege to have an opportunity to help kind of set, hopefully, a tone and give guidance to a larger marketplace. And the Forbes article um, that I contributed there was really around this idea. I've been having so many conversations with, um, with CHROs and talent executives inside of organizations that are finding that there is these kind of traditional kind of boundaries and silos that we've created in HR in the past that they now are starting to get a little bit in the way of creating that streamlined approach of what talent is happening. So the article um, is really about, um, about breaking through and breaking down the silos of traditional HR that hamper our success today. And there's two really big pieces. Number one is, is that the, the new talent economy is real. And um, the talent that's walking into our workplace today sees their sees their entire experience as one whole thought right from candidate to employment and onboarding employment and onboarding onto the day-to-day -day, and then planning my next career is a seamless constant ongoing self expectation of self-service i want to be able to have my hand in that every single day and i don't have the traditional belief that i get hired by 
uh, someone, I get a job, I put my head down for three years, and I don't ask or talk about what my next thing is. I literally am doing it real time. What I've encouraged uh, leaders to think about is when you're hiring someone, be okay and encourage them to look over the shoulder of their current job to the next job day one. And when we can do that, what that allows is it allows that candidate to employee, employee transition to be so beneficial to the employee that they start to actually gain that loyalty from day one with your organization. What I've also found and what the article is about is, though, is we have some traditional silos that actually break the continuity down unintentionally. So typically we've had talent acquisition recruiters. That's one division led by one person, maybe a vice president of talent acquisition. Then we have another division, which is talent management, which is, hey, we take anybody that gets hired. All recruiters do is hire and forget. Like they go out and hire the next person. And then talent management takes them after that. And oftentimes those two divisions have made two different technology choices, two different uh, uh, data databases, um, and the continuity of everything I learned about the candidate gets lost, and I don't get to bring any of that forward into my talent management process. So it's almost like starting over. But to the employee, it's one experience. But to us, we go, well, that you got hired, now you're in employment. And the reality of it is, is they're saying, no, 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 no. It's my lived experience. So the article is about encouraging people to really challenge um, their current model. Think Mm -hmm. about how they can bring continuity and seamless flow through that process. And this is just one great example that everybody can relate to because recruiters and talent and talent management tend to be different types of people, professionals, But bringing those together and connecting their objectives, their goals, what success looks like, all of those pieces, and then helping them have one singular kind of maybe platform to be able to do that work, super important. So that's the that's the article in Forbes thought, you know, that's an article that's really timely. Uh, So that's why I think they published it. No, I I, I love that sentiment and and what you, you spoke about there with talent acquisition, it makes me think of for the the past five or so years, there's been an urgency on making the application process as simple and as easy as possible. Yeah. And oftentimes to, to your point, the talent management side gets left behind. It, it makes me think of the example and, and I'm, I'm sure we've all been there, but you're on a road trip, you're driving down the highway, you hop off your exit and then it stands still traffic immediately when you're stuck in that standstill traffic, you're looking for the way to get off that road. You're looking for a workaround, which if you were to put that into an employee's perspective, yeah. we've seen a lot of this online. It's after two years, they're looking to, to job hop, to find that next position, to grow their career, to get a bigger paycheck. All of this has really been in, in the, the forefront of the news lately in talent acquisition and talent management. I want to ask you, has there been a sense of urgency because of that, where organizations are opening their eyes and saying, oh, this this really is a problem because we're looking at turnover rates from our new hires and, and so on and so forth? Yeah, I think there used to be an idea that, you know, if we lose someone, we can go hire someone else. So certainly the fact that there's more jobs than uh, candidates uh, looking for jobs today in a lot of different sectors, healthcare, retail, hospitality, transportation and logistics. Um, I think people are now starting to focus on that off-ramp and the stop traffic, to your point. It's, good, it's a really good analogy. And, um, and I think they're also coming to terms with the fact that, you know, you have to answer this question. Is it easier for someone outside of your company to find a new job in your company than people that are inside? 
And typically when I ask that question of CHROs, they have to kind of chuckle and say, I think it actually is easier for a person not employed to find a new job than people that are at our company. If that's the case, then it does mean that you need to look at what's getting in the way of your talent management, because the new expectation uh, of employees is, is that there is a seamless, continuous opportunity to not only grow my career, but also grow my skills so I can grow my career. So mentorship, you know, gig opportunities, real-time learning, um, on-the-job training, those types of things are so important to build right away. And skills, right? Taking people's skills from the time you what you learn from hiring and bring that across so that you know who they are and how they could fit, super important today. So I do think that I would imagine most organizations that I'm working with right now, they do struggle on the talent management side uh, because there's been a lot of stopping points in that in the past. And the article that I wrote really is about challenging that, making change and get your organization's buy-in to create a flow through rather than a lot of stop signs. I, I love that. It's a, you hit the nail right on the head. It, it is stop signs. And there is that, that disjointed aspect. It is oftentimes easier to, to find a job externally than, than internally. And I've, I've watched some of your clips from, from I am phenom where you talk about rather than a ladder approach where you are very linear in your career path, this new generation of talent is looking for a, a web of opportunities. That's They're right. looking to network, to hone in on some of those skills, especially as technology changing changes as rapidly as it is today. Um, but I, I want to ask you, that's a fantastic topic. What else is on, on your agenda? Or is there anything else that you plan on, on, on diving into with your next uh, you know, your sort of news article or, or episode of Smarter? What are you excited to talk about next? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do an article on the future of succession planning. So that's gonna actually build a little bit on what we're doing here. But strategies for a rapidly changing workforce. You inferred that a little bit. So we're gonna be talking uh, about that. I'm also gonna be talking about preparing the next generation of leaders for work. How are our next generations learning? How are they growing? What are their thoughts around leadership? Right. We think a lot about that that holistic leader that's kind of becoming more in vogue right now and how we're leading with the ideas of the skills of empathy, listening, communication. Um, those are pieces that are really important for organizations to know. So we're gonna be talking about the new generation of leaders and how to prepare. I also have a really great article that I'm starting to build with um, a professor from Columbia University who is an expert in organizational psychology and change. And we're gonna be doing something on continuous and constant change, how to find stability in a world that's unstable. And so we'll be talking and uh, writing an article together uh, on that. I'm really excited because I think change and change management and having a real um, framework for organizations to be able to rest in is going to be really important as we move through not only technology changes with AI, generational changes, economic uh, uh, upheaval, those types of things. How do organizations stand that test? And so change is going to be a big part of a lot of things I'm talking about in the next uh, year or so. Yeah, no, it makes me think of, I forget where I heard this quote from, so I, excuse me, but uh, it, whenever anyone says, you know, oh, do you love change? And they say, yes, I, I absolutely love change. I embrace change. That person clearly has not moved enough in their life where that is one of the biggest changes that you can make and, yeah, and no one enjoys moving, right? Yeah. Um, so it, giving some education on that because it is shocking. It does um, really... It, it, 
it's a challenge for organizations to go through as you implement new technology and look, strive for adoption as you change locations for an organization, as you change policies. So I'm excited to hear that. Just for the, the folks who are, are just tuning in today, um, because you are a wealth of knowledge, I want to ask you this. Um, being a, a practitioner, what are two or three things that, that someone who may be tuning in for the first time today that you would want to share with them that, that they should know as they move forward in their career? Um, you know, I think um, I think the, the where, where we started earlier today in our conversation around kind of these non-traditional paths that people take to get to HR I think it's a reminder that um, that our life path, we can look back and try to find the linear pieces of it. But I think our life path often takes you know, different uh, different unplanned uh, roads that we end up kind of framing up and going, oh, that actually worked out for the better. And so I would say, you know, really be open to taking on new opportunities, challenging yourself to actually gain skill. You know, there's a bit of a fake it until you make it sometimes with opportunities and it's, and it's okay, especially when you're saying, hey, I would love this opportunity. I don't think I have all the skills, but I appreciate the opportunity and I want to learn and grow. I think the organizations that I'm working with and seeing are more open to that than ever before. So I think one of my guideposts would be is be open to experience and try things that you're interested in because you'll end up looking looking like you put together an amazing career just based on that. Um, so I think that's that's number one. I think number two is um, I, I always believe that purpose under profession is really important. Certainly, you need to get you know paid a living wage. You need to do things that you're you're excited about. But having a purpose, like you were talking about, Devin, that you love being at Phenom because you love the purpose of Phenom, which is helping a billion people find the right job. That is such an altruistic vision and and objective for an organization. So I would say just really understand your purpose. And sometimes people say, my purpose is to make as much money as possible. That's great. Then have an altruism around what that is. But I think uh, having purpose under your profession keeps you energized because sometimes the title, the comp, the job itself, what you have to do isn't the exciting thing. It's the fact that it's fueling something bigger and deeper in you uh, than, uh, than maybe the, the job and the day-to-day -day, uh, every day. So that's, that's a big one for me. And I found that, that that to be true, not only for me, but for many people that I've coached uh, and supported throughout the years. Yeah, I, I, I love that because sometimes you can lose sight of purpose, right? At, at, from time and time again, where you may be too ingrained into the, the work, whatever that, that may be, but then you hear a story or for that, that individual who may be you know, more monetarily motivated, you get that paycheck, you get that bonus, whatever that may be, and you get to see the big picture again and say, oh yeah, this is why I enjoy doing what I'm doing. I have it on this show when we you know see success stories of you know folks that are implementing things correctly. When I get to talk to customers, the other thing that I, I, I really loved your point there was experimenting and taking chances. It Back to a driving analogy, and, and excuse me for this, but we all have driver's license or, or most of us have driver's license. Typically, you don't drive a car before you take your driver's test, right? You have the learner's permit and things like that, but there is a point in your life where you've never gotten behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. You have to take that chance in order to grow. It's the same thing with everything else in life. You don't know what you are great at. You don't know what you are good at. You may be better than, than some others, but you have to take that opportunity and, and chance. So I, I really appreciate you sharing those thoughts. Um, before we go, 
I did have one last last question with you. At the top of the program, I kind of mentioned all of these big challenges that really the globe is facing right now, whether it be the economy, the work from home, things like that. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see facing HR leaders today? And what advice would you give them to overcoming them based on some of the conversations that you've had and some of the things that you learned and some of your experiences as well? Yeah, and, yeah, and I see challenges uh, as really as opportunities, right? Framing them as opportunities. And so I did an article for Fast Company um, in December of last year talking about the trends that I think are going to be pressing HR executives uh, to really participate in and to dig in hard on. And um, so I, I do think, yeah, front and center, we've already talked about it, but I'll mention it again, is AI and people. So don't just talk about AI. Think about AI and people and how those two things are dovetailing together um, and seek understanding and don't feel like you know, but seek understanding in that. So that trend is obviously it hit hard. Um, in the first quarter, and it's going to continue to be something that's morphing out. So that's the first one I would encourage our, um, our listeners to take a hard look at and become a functional expert every day. Read as much as you can, especially if it's uh, spe specifically related to the work you're doing in HR and talent. So that's the first one. The second one is I, I do think that um, we need to continue to work about uh, work on our brand and reputation, the psychological contract that we're creating between our employees and our company, that employment brand, that value proposition with this new talent economy, they're really looking at lifestyle contract with an, with an organization and how do I actually blend work and life in a harmony, not work-life balance, but work-life harmony. And that's a real challenge, I think, for us because we've been spending so many years thinking about engagement um, how do we get more discretionary effort from our people? And although that's still a part of this paradigm, the paradigm is shifting. So it's your brand and your reputation as an employer of choice that you need to look at because I think the value prop has changed in a pretty significant way. We could go into, again, encouraging people to say, you have continued to double down in diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a critical piece and it needs to be a mainstay a very significant pillar in the work that you're doing, keeping it front and center in your organization. And then finally, I think a big broad one that I love that I think about all the time is new nostalgia. Continue to look at what you've always believed or what you've always think or what you've always done and just say, what if we just blew the thing up? What would it look like a different way? I think that's a thing that uh, as an executive is really important to do. Hold on to things that are working, but be ready to challenge and be okay with challenging the things that maybe aren't working as well. Yeah. No, I, I love love all those thoughts, especially the last one, nuke nostalgia, because we do get caught. Uh, humans are creatures of habit. We get caught in our, our typical ways. Absolutely. And as things yeah. change, uh, it, people are hesitant, right? So nuking that nostalgia saying, this is the new way that we're going to do it. We can take aspects from the past, right? I'm very familiar with this, Jess. I'm, I'm a Jets fan. We're constantly nuking and, and blowing the whole thing up to try and rebuild <laughs> all over again. So I, I'm familiar with the concept, but in, in a work perspective, you are you're absolutely right. You have to continue to evolve in order to be successful, retaining employees, attracting new talent, as well as growing the business as a whole from 
a monetary perspective. So these are all super helpful. I know that I am certainly going to continue to subscribe to the Smarter Podcast, follow you on all things Thank news you. related, all of the the articles that you you put together and, and the whole nine. And uh, hopefully, oh, I lost the mic there. Um, hopefully, we can have you back sooner rather than later in person uh, when you're you're in the office, and we can kind of talk about some of the latest episodes of, of Smarter as well as since times are consistently changing, what are the new changes? So I, I appreciate it, and um, I wish you nothing but the best. Any final thoughts? Any last words? I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. I right back at you. So love what you're doing, and uh, obviously a, a huge fan of uh, of what we're doing at Phenom. But uh, I'm available and uh, ready to to jump in with any of our listeners. Uh, just get a hold of me, and we'll have a conversation. So thank awesome. you. I really appreciate it, Devin. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Thank you so much, Jess, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, you take care. All right. There you have it. That was Jess Elmquist, who is CHRO here at Phenom. We talked about a number of topics there, nuking nostalgia. We talked about conversations with Ben Eubanks and the Arbuchon Company, as well as uh, Bond Secure Mercy Health, everything in between. Um, for those of you who, who may have missed the beginning of the episode, uh, Jess recently launched a podcast. It is available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, as well as LinkedIn. It is called Smarter. He's meeting with you know C-suite and, and C-level executives to talk about the challenges that HR and organizations are faced with today. That is live as we speak. So don't forget to subscribe, like, share, all of that good stuff. Um, we'll have Jess back on on a, a later date. He also mentioned the Forbes article that he, he recently had out talking about the merging between talent acquisition as well as talent management. Uh, so definitely check that out. But in the meantime, uh, I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of their day. Uh, if you're on the East Coast, stay inside, wear a mask the whole nine. Uh, continue to enjoy Pride Month, everyone out there. And we will see you next week on June the 14th? 15th? We'll see you next week on Thursday as we always do. And enjoy yourself. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Talent Experience Live, of course, is proudly brought to you by the good folks here at Phenom, whose purpose is to help a billion people find the right job. Our intelligent talent experience platform, which helps candidates find the right roles faster, employees evolve in their current roles and beyond, recruiters achieve some next level productivity, and managers build better teams with data and analytics. And of course, all of this is powered by super slick artificial intelligence and machine learning. So head on over to phenom.com to learn more. While you're there, check out the promo for I am Phenom. It is right on the homepage. Don't be afraid to click on it. See who keynote speakers are going to be. See what session tracks are happening and everything in between, including networking and party.